Hey, I'm Dustin. And I'm Steve. And you're listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast, an irreverent look at wedding photography. This podcast, like aspirin, will help you recover from your wedding hangover. Dustin, first up on the docket, we've had a few fans, listeners, uh, friends, whatever you want to call them, write in to ask why we hadn't given any uh, thoughts or comments on the royal wedding yet. And while I have no thoughts or comments, because I was busy shooting a wedding the day of the royal wedding, I wanted to throw it over to you, see if you got anything for me. Well, hello, governor. (laughs) I was was actually photographing a wedding myself, and it was kind of the running joke all day at that wedding that this was the royal wedding. But yeah, I don't know. There seemed to be a flurry of comments and concerns about the official wedding photos from the the royal wedding and uh i don't know i just i'd like to ask people to take a step back and stop being internet bullies and we have no idea the kind of pressures and stress that that photographer was under um do i think the photos are good uh no not really now doesn't i haven't seen the photos but i have watched the tv show suits and um which character from the TV show did she end up marrying? Uh, Harvey, I think. Oh, Harvey, very like handsome man. Yeah, great. Yeah, he dyed his ha- dyed his hair red, grew a beard, and uh, getting less handsome by the second. And soulless. Yep. yep. And apparently he's British. Wow. Who knew? Twist. Way to go, Gabriel. Mocked. I do love do love the show suits though. Um. So Dustin, let's let's push right into follow up because I really. Hmm. I really have no, see, a little history lesson for people. Um, Back in, what was it, 1776, the United States of America declared their independence from UK. And when we declared our Uck. independence from UK, I officially stopped caring about the royal family. Now this, you might be looking at the situation and saying, Steve, that was almost 200 years before you were born. And uh, yeah, my pre-baby state soul form stopped caring yeah. about Uck right then. Because I knew I was going to America when I got born. Mm-hmm. You're like, that semen's crossing the ocean. See what I did there? That was a little little pun. Oh, oh, oh okay. It's early. Dustin's forcing me to record in the AM this, uh, this week, as opposed to recording in the PM like usual. So if you're listening right now and you think we're doing a terrible job, send all of those comments straight to Dustin underscore McKibben on Instagram or just you Dustin betcha. McKibben on Twitter. Because <laughs> I check Twitter. That's hilarious. Um, anywho, follow up, Dustin. We're going to push right into it. Trademark John Syracuse. The first thing, the only thing in our follow up is the New York hotel situation. Um, sure. Before we get into what actually happened, um, I want to bring up something. One of our One of our listeners, one of our friends wrote in long-time listener yeah uh jackie santana wrote in and she had this to say the whole concept behind boys and girls not sharing rooms together because they're boys and girls and they could have sex is the most heteronormative thought process ever nothing frustrates me more than that Because if the whole reasoning behind is because they could be potential sexual partners and you should keep them apart, then what happens in the case of someone like me who's bisexual? I'm attracted to all genders. Does that mean I should share a hotel room with anyone, even close friends that are female? 
Should my second shooter's boyfriends be nervous when we go to Florida and we're all sharing a hotel room? No, because respect. And if the second shooter's husband is so nervous about his wife sharing a hotel room with another happily married man, then he needs to reevaluate his trust in his spouse. This whole separating of the sexes shit drives me batty. Sorry, just had to say something. So I just want to say thank you so much to Jackie for writing in and for saying that we could share your comment. Um, takes a lot of guts to write in and especially to share such personal information with a ton of people you don't know on the uh, internet. So my hat is off to you, Jackie. And you know what? I could not agree more. Dustin and I are both white men and it was possibly the most heteronormative. Say what? <laughs> I'm sorry, Dustin. Did you, did you not know that? I'm j- hold on. Damn, I think you're right. I am white. So, yeah, we, we did have possibly the most heteronormative conversation ever on the subject. Um, my thoughts on the subject still are if you're running a professional business, you shouldn't be sharing a room with the people who you're employing. I think you do this to protect yourself as much as it is to uh, be kind and nice and show respect to them. But that's just my personal thought. Yep. Um, so yeah, so to follow up on, uh, my weekend uh, in New York. Dustin, do you agree with that or disagree? I mean, I would assume you disagree since you were going to force somebody to sleep in the same room as you. I think there's varying levels. Like, so for example, if I was traveling with someone I didn't know or didn't know well, I would definitely think, uh, a separate hotels as far as professionalism would be a standard and a necessity and something that I would want for myself if I was in that, in that reverse situation. However, uh, I do think like Jackie said, when traveling with friends that are also colleagues, um, I think sometimes there's that gray area where, you know, like, I don't know, I treat my friends like almost like siblings, like they're family to me. So sharing a hotel room with like you or anyone. That explains all the nuggies, man. Yep. Yep. Um, it just, uh, it's not a big deal to me, but obviously to some people it is. So, and I, you know, have to respect that. Well, one thing I don't think we did a great job of representing in that episode um, is that it's not necessarily just about sex. It's about privacy. Like, I don't want to get too deep into this. Um, I know it's a very touchy subject for a lot of people, but sharing a hotel room with somebody like the the main the main idea of why you won't want to do it isn't necessarily that you think, oh, no, we're in a room together. We're going to have sex. It's that you want privacy. But I mean, I guess what it really comes down to is what you're comfortable with and, you know, not making other people feel uncomfortable. So to follow up on, you know, the events of this weekend, I ended up getting a second hotel room um, for my second photographer, uh, who is a dear friend of mine. And uh, it was fine. It ended up all working out. Um, unfortunately, because it being a holiday weekend, we were unable to get her a hotel room in the same hotel that the events were taking place in and that I had a hotel room in. Um, but we got her one like 10 minutes away. It did cause some, um, logistical stuff with, you know, planning out Ubers and stuff like that, you know, make sure we were all at the same place at the same time. Uh, but other than that, it all worked out fine. In retrospect, 
we both kind of discussed it and we were like, we wish we would have just stayed actually like in Manhattan versus where the wedding was because we found ourselves going to Manhattan every single day. And I think that that would have been a better use of our time. But that's neither here nor there. It doesn't really so, relate Dustin, to this speaking subject. Speaking of which, I did want to bring that up. You, you lied to our dear listeners. What do you mean? You said you were shooting a wedding in New York City. You weren't even in New York State when you were shooting the wedding, Dustin. Correct. I was actually in the Forbidden Fruit of New Jersey. Mm, fruit's usually delicious. Are we going to call <laughs> New Jersey fruit? Um, that is true. So I did very little in sense of pre-production for this wedding because when I did this couple's engagement session, um, we were on the water overlooking New York City. And I was told that that is, we were, you know, roughly around the area where the wedding was also taking place. But you and were on the so, other side of the water. <laughs> right. But with New York in the background, like that's how they wanted a lot of people get married in New Jersey so they can have New York City skyline as the backdrop of their wedding. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. You know, this is going to be so cool. So when they like shot me the details and stuff for everything, I just assumed it was right there on the water facing into New York City. And we got there and it was like an hour away from New York City. So would getting a hotel in Manhattan have been a good idea? You would have been an hour away from where the wedding actually was taking place. Yeah, because the only day that we were actually in this town um, was the day of the wedding. The rest of the time we were there, uh, we were walking around New York City. Okay, cool. Uh, Dustin, let's move out of follow-up and let's get into the real show. Dustin, you have the first topic here. Yeah, digital files, who gets them? Um, so recently we've had uh, a couple instances where we, so I guess let me start by saying how we handle things and then let me see how Steve does. I think I know how Steve does it, which is way better than how I do it. Um, but that's because I like to make money. So we are kind of protective of our digital files. We only give our digital files to the bride and the groom. And anyone else that wants them, I direct them to the bride and groom because that's not my responsibility in my mind um, to be constantly giving them digital files. Um, however, we've had a mom that kind of um, recently this week has kind of fought back. And since she's the one paying for the wedding and paying for the uh, photography, she's feeling uh, entitled to her own copy of the digital files. And so I was just kind of curious what the listeners out there, your thoughts, and uh, obviously I know Steve uses Pass or Pixie Set or something like that where anyone and everyone can just download digi files. Oh, Dustin, you don't know how Pass works, do you? I, I think I do. Um, I could set it up on Pass so that everybody could download the files, but we do not do that. We set it up so that only the client can download the files, and the client is the bride and the groom. So parents, no access to digital files? No access. If the access bride and the groom denied. the bride and the groom want to download the files and let their parents have them, that's okay with us. Oh, I like that. But we're not going to give the parents access. Nice. So then this way, just, when the parents look at the gallery, if they're like, oh my gosh, I want a canvas of this, 
they either have to ask their son and daughter or son-in-law and daughter or daughter-in-law. Okay. I'm getting in the weeds again. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go through all the different things it could be. Son and son-in-law, daughter and daughter-in-law. Uh, who knows? Puppies. Yeah. Puppy and puppy-in-laws. Um, so they either have to ask the, the couple hey, can we get this photo because we want to, you know, make you a print or something. Or they can just buy the print straight from our pass and it'll get printed out and sent to them. So this works great for us if, like, the parents of the bride and groom. I just need to say parents of the couple, don't I? We're just yep. going to get in the weeds every time. If the parents of the couple want to buy them, like, a surprise gift for christmas or anniversary or something like that they can just jump straight into the gallery and they can buy a canvas or you know photos or whatever sounds good that's how we do yeah. things and if somebody requests yeah. specifically that they want access we do have the ability to give them access we can uh change it up so that the client has access to the files and also anybody invited has access which is how we allow vendors to download files if they need them so you can uh, yeah. invite a vendor to the gallery and then as a invited person to the gallery, they can see or they can download everything. Yeah, I was just, uh, so how we do it is uh, for engagement sessions, we send them a Dropbox link uh, so they can download them via Dropbox. And then with the wedding photos, they actually get a USB drive with the wedding photos and the engagement photos. So everything's in one place. Is there a time and machine included in the package so they can travel back to the year 2000 so that they can actually make use of a USB drive? Um, no, no, Steve, because see, we are of the mindset here at Dustin and Corinne Photography that when you're spending over $3,000, uh, that you should receive something tangible. Yeah, at that's the end why of the day. we include albums. So we like to give you a USB drive and uh, that way you can feel, touch something in your hand. We also include a handful of gift prints. Would you call that, that a give. good touch or a bad touch? That USB uh, anything, drive? Anything by us is a good touch. Mm. But what if they want that bad touch, buddy? Uh, <laughs> see, see, see the earlier topic. See the earlier topic. But um, yeah, so... Just curious how you would handle that then. Um, so I told the bride's mom, um, you know, that the, or actually this is the groom's mom, excuse me. Uh, I told her that, you know, see your daughter-in-law-to-be, she has the photos. I said that in a way more polite way. But um, I'm curious to see if she writes me back and be like, well, I'm paying for this wedding. You send me those digi files. I'm paying for this wedding. I need all those Digimon. I should also preface, and I and not to say this matters, but... She's also the wife of the biggest orthopedic surgeon in our city. I don't know why that matters. Just because I'm saying that they have the money to order the prints off our website, you know, because she just wants some four by sixes for a bridal shower. And I'm like, just order the prints, you know, that being such a cheap ass. You didn't like the, when she requested the, the digi files, just send her back like a recording of you and you were just like... Digi files, digital photos, digi, <laughs> digi files are our <laughs> champions. No? Oh, Digimon, man. Those were the days. All right, moving on. Oh, Dustin, next up, we're going to head into the drone zone. Drone zone. So without further ado, let's cross over into 
the drone zone. Skydio drone just released a software update to everybody who owns one of their drones, making it so that their drone can now follow a car. It used to be that their drone was set up. So, so for those of you who don't know, Skydio created a drone, and what the drone does is you just say, "Hey, follow me while I'm running." You put the drone up in the air, and then you just start running, and the drone just follows you, and it gives you like a tracking shot of you running. And if you head over to their website, you can see like people riding bikes through the woods, and the Skydio drone is following them and dodging trees and shooting footage. The tree shots are just mind-blowing yeah yeah and like uh there's also like a thing if you scroll down a little bit that just kind of shows like how the um the computer processes the images and it's making like a bunch of like blocked out pixels and creating like a landscape and then learning how to navigate through that it's really cool technology uh, i think casey neistat's quoted on the website is saying that this is a quantum leap forward in tracking for drones yeah uh, but I also remember when Casey Neistat got one of these drones and used it, he said that the video quality, like the quality of the actual footage, is not as good looking as uh, DJI Phantom or a Mavic or something like that. So yeah, he doesn't actually aren't. use this on a daily basis or anything. But as far as the tracking goes, it's amazing. So I thought it was super cool that they just released like a software update to the drone that's like, hey, this new feature that most companies would you know, make you buy a new drone to get. We just update the software and boom, now now it can uh, do it. Boom. Yeah, it, I mean, the future of drone technology is just mind-boggling. Um, I'm so excited to see where we are, even just like a year from now, with where things are going. Um, unfortunately, it, just, it seems like DJ, DJI is the only company that's really pushing things as far as optics go. Most of the other drone companies are, you know, trying to play more with like the tech side of drones mm-hmm. um, where it seems like DJI is the only one that's really focused in on the professional cinematographer um, that, and I, I could be way off base there could be like a, a more niche player in the game but well there seem- are other companies that build drones that you actually mount cameras on and I think they're like the the idea is you already own a very nice camera, so why would you buy a drone with a camera built into it? I mean, DJI even makes options where you can buy a drone that you mount like a red 4K or 8K onto and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, but like these guys, you know, they're getting the tech side and the software side um, to a place where I'd love to see. DJI incorporate some of this into theirs. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So you know, because it put me one more step closer to a Mavic Air in my in my possession. If it did, why would you want a Mavic Air? Doza last week on the podcast even said better camera on the uh, Mavic Pro. You you just want that smaller thing, more lightweight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it only uses just... Wi-Fi to control it. You know, uh, just, photographer here in town, Daniel Alessio of Alessio Photo, um, mm-hmm. he just tore his Mavic controller apart because he couldn't, f- or his Mavic Air's controller apart because he was having trouble flying it in downtown Indy because there's so much Wi-Fi in the area that he would keep losing connection. So he tore his controller apart and took the um, 
antenna out of the controller and put in much better antenna so now he can actually fly downtown without having all the uh, troubles. So I would, mm. yeah, he, he used to own a Mavic Pro and he said that uh, that the switch to taking away the RC controls of the uh, Mavic was a huge, like, uh, it was very hurtful. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I don't plan on buying the Mavic Air uh, in its current state. I'm waiting for, like, the Mavic Air 2 or, you know, the, the Mavic Pro Air combo. That'd be nice. I think they're probably just going to get rid of the Mavic Pro line, just switch straight oh, to Mavic yeah. Airs for everything. And eventually with time, you just stop calling it Air and you just start calling it the Mavic, you know? I think they're following the whole uh, <laughs> Apple, Apple. Yeah. Apple thing. You're like, here's our MacBook Air or here's our MacBook Pro, here's a MacBook Air. Eventually, we just get rid of the MacBook Air, and it's just a MacBook now. But there's not yeah. enough difference between the Mavic Pro and the Mavic Air, I feel like, to sustain both lines. So I think they're just going to go all in on the Air thing. And then, uh, you know, if people are more serious, they just get a Phantom. I do love my Phantom. Yeah, I, Phantoms are real nice. Uh, next up, um, for those of you who don't know, there's a lot of flooding going on in Maryland. Facebook friend of both Dustin and I's, Sam Hurd. <laughs> Dustin and I both found out that there's flooding in Maryland when we saw Sam Hurd mark himself as safe in the flood. <laughs> and I was like, what? But there's an actual like news story that came out of the whole flooding situation, which is that Fox News tweeted at a guy who was taking photos of the flooding and asked if they could use his photos. The guy responded to them and said, <laughs> pretty eloquently, I would say, no f***ing way. <laughs> <laughs> then Fox News went ahead and used his photos anyway. Sounds about right. So he has not, to my knowledge, sued Fox yet, but there's a huge copyright infringement issue here, and he could sue Fox. We'll include a link to the article here um, that we're looking at. It's an article on the blog photoshelter.com. One of the big things that they point out on photoshelter.com is you do own the copyright of whatever images you take. Like as soon as you push the button on the shutter, the copyright belongs to you. Unless like you sign some sort of agreement before you even took the photos saying like the copyright would belong to the company you work for or something like that. Like there there are ways where like you lose the copyright even before you take the photos. But what they're saying is even though you own the copyright to the photo, if somebody uses it, you can only get so much money out of them. And that amount of money is the amount of money of that the photos would be sold for, like in the marketplace. Unless right. you register your copyright with the U.S. government. And so after you take a photo, you have up to three months to register their work at well it's not up to three months after you take the photo it's up to three months after the initial publication for the infringement so this guy now has three months to register the copyright on his photo if he registers the copyright on his photo within that period of time he can sue them for up to i think it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars plus lawyer fees and that's not for all like he, he took several photos that they used so he could sue for each photo up to $150,000 plus lawyer fees. That was a, uh, that was huge. Uh, 
register yeah. your copyright people i know listening to the uh wedding photographers united podcast neil um on there was talking about how he registers the copyright on his photos every year at the end of the year he sends them off yeah it, the, the only problem is or not problem but being that registering a copyright is a government agency uh it is definitely not the most streamlined process mm-hmm I wouldn't say it's necessarily hard, but it's, I think you can do like 25 photos at once or I can't remember what it is, but it's, uh, such a, f- you know, small amount. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that are difficult in life, Dustin, but if you want to get that sweet, sweet chatter, you got to do it. Wait. Do you guys copyright any of your images? Uh, no, because almost all the work we do is for weddings and hardly any of it would be something somebody would want to republish anyway. Yeah. So uh, we haven't seen like a huge reason to do that. I think the only things like we've, we've had a few things that have been shared and like gone viral. Um, probably most notice notably was the Wes Anderson theme styled shoot that Jen did um, at the Inn and Irwin gardens, which was on Buzzfeed and then was like reposted all over the place. But yeah, that was pretty cool. But like we, I mean, we gave permission to BuzzFeed to post the photos um, as their own and stuff. And then I think the other, the other news outlets weren't, they weren't like making a copy of the work and reposting that. Like they were embedding the photos from the BuzzFeed article with links back to the BuzzFeed article. So like there's a difference between like what Fox did was they actually like made a copy of the guy's thing and then just posted that copy into their thing. Now, um, when you upload any of your photos to social media, if that like Fox or somebody else wants to use your photo, they can do it by just embedding like the Instagram post that you put up into their thing. Because you, uh, when you, when you signed up for Instagram or Twitter or whatever, you gave them the right to allow news companies and other people to embed your stuff like that. So like that kind of stuff, like you're not going to be able to sue for, but you can sue for like if they just upload it to their like news article or put it in their, you know, news show on live television because to do that, they would have to actually like make a like copy of your thing, like a digital copy or whatever. So like when Jen and I had the thing go viral on Buzzfeed, like all the other places were just embedding from Buzzfeed. So like everything linked back to us. So it wasn't really a big deal. Yeah. You guys got some good, pretty good PR from that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty cool. Pretty pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime that you post work and... It's well-received. And it's well-received. And the next day, you wake up to messages from a ton of your friends um, all saying, holy crap, I saw this thing, and I was like, Jen would love this. And then they were like, Jen, and Jen did this, you know? <laughs> Jen, Jen did this, yeah. yeah. Like so that that was that was pretty big. Uh, you should uh, throw throw a photo on the Insta of that. I think there is a photo. There's a photo I took of the cake um, somewhere in our Insta, but I, I can throw some of the other photos in there as well. I mean, assuming assuming Jen will relinquish the uh, copyrights on the photos she took to me. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I only shot a few photos that day. Um, mostly, I was wrangling people and helping out with stuff. Oh, the fun days! Fun days. Yeah, exposure isn't necessarily always worth it. But in that case, it was something where we really wanted exposure for both our business and the people who had helped out with the shoot. So, so, so to circle back there, did you ever copyright the Wes Anderson photo shoot? No. 
Gotcha. All right. You heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Steal them photos. Uh, uh, market value for them would be a lot higher than most other photos just because they did go viral. So Exactly. So don't steal those photos. <laughs> steal. Steal. All right. Moving on. Moving up. Moving onward. Um, if you kind of... So this was, this was dovetailing off of the copyright thing. Uh, and one of the Facebook groups I was looking at, some a vendor uh, who is not a photographer posted in the group, and this is what they had to say. I'm looking for a photographer who is seeking to build their portfolio. I need photos of my dummy wedding cakes in mock tablescapes. In exchange for money, I will release my photos to be used on your social media, your portfolio, and in print advertisements. I live in Chicago. Please message me if interested in partnering. Thanks. So I guess what's the question, Steve? What's There's your, no question what's your here. beef? Uh, <laughs> my beef with this is a vendor who makes wedding cakes is basically saying, I want somebody to work for me for free taking photos. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, in exchange for money, the cake person will uh, release the rights to the photos that the photographer took back to the photographer to be used on their social media portfolio and oh, print advertisements. I misread it the first time. Wow. That is, okay. Yeah. Okay. So this person came in and it, it was a wedding photography like Facebook group where they posted this and... I uh, I would say my jaw kind of hit the ground, and based on the responses I saw other people had in the group, I would say a lot of them did too. Um, and it's just the basic idea, like people just don't understand copyright, and they don't understand who owns photos. But basically, if you're ever in a situation where somebody says to you, come shoot this thing for me, and then after we shoot the thing, if you pay me money... I will let you use the photos in your social media, in your portfolio, in your print advertisements. Run away from that person as fast as possible. Right. Yeah. I just couldn't believe the audacity. It's like, do work for me for free and then pay me for your own work. They just walked into the room, onto the negotiating table, goes their big fat balls. And they're like, um, so not, so this kind of goes back to our whole, like, talk about that magazine shoot. You know, sort of the whole concept of, you know, working for free and then you paying them to work for them for free. Mm -hmm. So there's more than one person doing this out there, apparently. Yeah, there's a person who suckered Dustin into the situation. (laughs) Yeah, they put their balls right on the table. And I was like, sure. Well, in fairness, you didn't know that they were doing it until afterwards. True. This guy's full transparency. Yeah. You're going to take photos for me, and then you're going to pay me for the photos you took for me. Uh, plus, the person who you did it for, they didn't, uh, they didn't tell you you weren't allowed to use the photos to promote your own stuff afterwards. Yeah. They were just like, if you want to get put in the magazine, you got to pay us money. Pay that sweet, sweet money. Money. Dustin, you added something to the show notes a while ago. Uh, do you oh. want to talk about this? The... Uh, it, you just wrote, how can we add this to our wedding packages? Please take my money. Oh, uh, I'm sure a lot of you out there have seen this. It's gone viral since, uh, I wanted to talk about it. Uh, but there was a, in the, in the, as Steve calls it, the UK or the UK. <laughs> I'm just really trying to alienate. We picked up a lot of listeners in the UK over the last few weeks for some reason. I have no idea why I'm trying to alienate them and just get them to quit <laughs> on us so hard. I'm I'm joking. We love you guys. Please don't quit on us. There, there's always a place for the UK in our podcast listenership. 
you guys have been very active in our secret, super secret Facebook group. So we appreciate that. The the Wild Stallions wedding photography group. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, it's a wedding uh, themed bounce house castle. And I was just thinking, man, this thing would go over so well here in Indiana. I could see so many of my barn country weddings uh, just being all about this. And also, I was thinking about all the terrible things that could go wrong with this. But yeah, what are your thoughts, Steve? Uh, my thoughts are an adult bouncy castle would be super fun and it'd make for some great pictures and, um, some slow-mo video, man. That's what I thought about. I just hope beyond hope that, uh, if, if somebody is doing this in the, the U S of a, that they, they have some really good insurance cause you are going to get a broken <laughs> nose at some point in time. There is going to be yeah. blood on a wedding dress and you are going to get sued. Oh yeah. But it would be worth yeah. it. Jen and I had a couple, um, Ask us to take pictures of them on a trampoline one time at a wedding. That's pretty fun. Oh, that would be fun. It was like a backyard wedding at one of their friends' houses outside of Cleveland and did some photos uh, of them bouncing on the trampoline. It's cool. It was mostly Jenna cool. did those photos. I was like dying of heat exhaustion at the time because I was wearing a suit and it's like 110 degrees. Oh, man. Are you, are you drinking a beer today, by the way? I forgot to ask you. No, because it's like <laughs> 10 in the morning. Okay. I'm drinking Touché. a lot of coffee, but that's not because of the podcast. I just have to drink a lot of coffee in the morning to get through the day. That's what life's like right now. Um, Dustin, let's let's do one more topic, then head over to some Q&A. Have Q &A. you ever had a ceremony location request, and in parentheses I put demand because that's what it feels like, that you come to the location a few weeks before the wedding, wedding the wedding? Oh, gosh. This is why we don't record in the morning. Uh, to meet with someone so you can see the space. Um, I, yeah, we have a wedding coming up in uh, July where they were really, really hesitant to book us because the wedding's in Cleveland. And uh, really... Did you hire Mr. Louis Novak to be your second shooter? Sec Phantom producer Louis Novak? Phantom producer Louis Novak, if you're listening to this, hit me up. Maybe I'll have you come as a third shooter so that Corinne can take some breaks. But yeah, um, so I told the bride, you know, listen, if this is like, a, you know, going to cause you stress and anxiety leading up to the wedding day, I will promise you, I will guarantee you that the day before the wedding, I will go and check out the church. I guess the concern is, and I don't know if you've ever photographed in one of these like hardcore, uber strict, Catholic, uh, you know, super old churches um, that just have a ton of character, a ton of awesome um, historical value that photograph beautifully. But the caveat is the bride and groom only gets to be in there for like two hours, including the ceremony time. Yeah. It's like when um, you shoot on Notre Dame's campus at the Basilica. Exactly. Yep. Same concept as Notre Dame. So the, the I don't think it's called the Basilica, but I want to say it's called the Cathedral uh, of Cleveland mm -hmm. like so whatever like the you know the oldest most biggest badass church in Cleveland is that's where this wedding is and uh, they get to be there for two like a two-hour window and so they just wanted to make sure that whoever they hired to photograph it was going to best utilize that like 30 minute window they get afterwards yeah and so I said yeah absolutely I'll go check it out the day before you know 
I'm, I'm kind of of the mindset not to sound like cocky or snobbish, but it's like you've seen one church, you've seen them all. I 100% agree with that. So, I mean, you know, you're going to shoot towards the altar. You're going to shoot towards any awesome stained glass. You know, if it has awesome doors or doorways, you'll utilize that. But unless it has some crazy secret feature, you know, which I feel the bride could just tell me about over the phone. I don't really need to see it before the wedding. But for her sanity and my sanity leading up to the wedding, I told her I'd go check it out. So I added this to uh, the show notes quite a while ago. But uh, the reason I added it is Jen and I were doing a wedding at a Greek Orthodox church in Mm -hmm. the, uh, I think it's Carmel or Zionsville area near us. And we were told we had to come and we had to meet with the um, officiant. Otherwise, they would not let us shoot the wedding. And I thought it was very strange, this request that was not a request. It was, it was a demand. So I went to meet with them ahead of time. And the reason they wanted somebody to come in is because the Greek Orthodox wedding ceremony is very ornate. There's a lot of different moving pieces that happen. It's a lot of different events and everything. And they dictate where the photographers can stand in the wedding. So during the actual wedding, you're only allowed to have like one person up front, I would say. And the, the, the reason I'm saying this is they actually want a, one of the photographers to be positioned behind either the bridesmaids or the groomsmen up on stage with the bride and groom. Because there are several things that take place up in front of the altar where uh, you won't be able to see what's happening from the back where I ended up being during the actual wedding. So you need a photographer up in front behind the bride and groom or behind the bridesmaids or the groomsmen to capture those things. It's like, interesting. Uh, like the bride and groom get like a crown put on their head at some point in time oh, yeah, and different, yeah. different yeah, things yeah. like that. Where, I mean, you can capture it from the back, but you're just getting the back of their, you're not getting their like faces while it happens. Um, right. Cause they don't turn them around to face the crowd when it happens. It's, you know, the ceremony is about the bride and groom. It's not about the people watching. So, Jen actually throughout the entire wedding had to stand behind the groomsmen and shoot through them. And after we got done shooting that wedding, the only thing I could think is if we did another wedding there, they had told us if we had three photographers, we could have one behind the groomsmen and one behind the bridesmaids. And if we did another wedding at that church, I would definitely 100% want to get a third photographer to stand on the other side, just so that you get like that. Because there's just like some angles where like you just, you're not going to get the best shots if you're behind the groomsmen and you're not going to get the best shot if you're behind the bridesmaids. And the thing was, once the wedding starts, the person who's behind the groomsmen or behind the bridesmaids, not allowed to move the entire wedding. Like not allowed to even like step to the left or the right to like shoot from like a slightly different angle between, you know, a different set of the groomsmen or a different set of the bridesmaids. So it was like once Jen was up there, she was locked. So it would have been great to have like another photographer on the other side. We've had other venues request that somebody go out, but this, this was (laughs) the only one where it was actually like, we actually did need somebody there because they had to walk us through like the different things of the ceremony. Most other places are like you said, where it's just like you roll up and it doesn't matter what it looks like inside. You're a professional photographer. You know how to shoot in any sort of lighting situation in any sort of venue and you just get the job done. That's how you work. How you roll, man. So Dustin, are you ready to do some Q and a, or is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I just, um, I don't know. 
I feel like after a couple of these topics we've had, it makes me want to put together some sort of a um, bridal education handbook about, you know? Yeah. Especially, can we talk real quick uh, about the post-gen made or shared about uh, brides who ghost their photographers? I know we, we've talked about this in the past, um, but it just, I think, goes into into, you know, that whole, like, brides don't know better they're ignorant to this kind of behavior and many behaviors when it comes to wedding planning i wish there was some sort of a resource when it came to wedding planning on um on these kind of things and you can find that resource at your best bridesmaids with jen van elk and michaela mclean two regulars on the show (laughs) i'm just joking i'm not they should should make something like that that would be great yeah um so dustin Q&A. Steve, Q&A, baby. Oh, wait. For those who don't know, the post Jen shared was another photographer shared a post just saying that they had a client who was ghosting them and they were torn up about it because you just feel like you're, you're, you feel like you, you've become friends with this person when you meet with them in person and you talk with them and you get excited about shooting their wedding and then you hold the date for them or whatever, or you tell them you'll contact them before somebody, if somebody else contacts them for the date. But you're like secretly hoping you're going to be working with them because you like them so much. And then you end up never hearing back from them again. They never say, yeah, we went another direction. They never say your prices were too high. It's just like you send them a follow-up email saying like, hey, I loved meeting with you the other day. Do we want to, do you want to like discuss next steps or anything? And you just get ghosted. And ghosted. so like that, that was the, uh, the, the post Jen shared. Yeah. And it sucks. It's, it's a terrible feeling. Like, don't yeah. don't ghost people. Just just say like, hey, I actually can't hang out today or I don't want to hang out today. Hey, you know, when Dustin texts me and he's like, Steve, come to Fort Wayne. I just text back real quick. Uh, never. Fort Wayne's terrible. Uh, never. And then I show up in Fort Wayne and I'm at the zoo with my kids and I walk out and I see Dustin and he's wearing white before Memorial Day. <laughs> What? Uh, you know what? We got to keep it on brand here at this podcast. This is a style podcast, Dustin. You were wearing it white is. before Memorial Day. <laughs> oh, I, I did not know that this is a styled podcast. You know, there is only a set period of time that you're allowed to wear white, and that is post-Memorial Day, pre-Labor Day. Oh, I, I feel so like So imagine my surprise when my co-host on what is essentially a men's style <laughs> podcast... <laughs> Is wearing a white polo before Memorial Day. Gosh, Dustin. Um, it's all right. I could have let it slide if it was like Memorial Day weekend at least and just hadn't been Memorial Day yet. But this is like four weeks ago, three, three four weeks ago when this happened. What I was in shock of was that my co-host Steve was walking around the zoo shirtless and I, it looked I like I was wearing was... white before Memorial Day because I am so incredibly. I got that farmer's tan going, you know? It's, it's nice. I was speechless. Questions and answer time. Let's do some Q&A. Let's do Sarah from the Facebook groups writes in, I feel like I broke rule number one of Photog Club. It's kind of cool, like Fight Club, right? Fight Club. Rule number one of Photog Club, do not talk about Photog Club. Rule number two about Photog Club, do not talk about Photog Club. Yeah. I see we have a lot of new listeners this week on the podcast. That means a lot of you were breaking rule number one. Right? No? Gosh, Dustin. 
I give you my good, good, good monologues from stolen straight from Fight Club and just change them to say Fight Club. And yeah, yeah, I get nothing from you. All right. So I feel like I broke rule number one of Photog Club. Never photograph friends or family and never do it for free. One of my best friends asked me to do a shoot with her and her significant other. Initially, when we talked it through, it sounded fun and laid back. A real chill gig. So chill. But when the day came, she asked me to drive to a location that was almost two hours away, shoot no more than 30 minutes because they had places to be. And once the photos came out, oh Lord, I immediately started working the edits because I was excited. But when they saw them, they asked me to Photoshop 15 to 20 pounds off of them. Change this and Photoshop that and change this and Photoshop that and Photoshop this and Photoshop that, et cetera, et cetera. I don't really agree with Photoshopping weight. Maybe I'm wrong, but put a lot more time into making these photos look good for them. They're close friends, so who wouldn't? And people love the photos and I was very proud of them, but they hated them. She's not posted nor used one of the 20 something photos I edited for her. How do you deal with situations like this, especially when they're close friends or family? I'm not going to say anything to them. It's over with now. But do you all try to stay clear from family friend photography sessions? It depends on the friend. I mean, we all have friends that probably have, uh, you know, more demands than others. Like I would never do you and Jen's photos because I know you guys. Because after it was done, I'd be like, Dustin, I need to stay on brand. You need to Photoshop at least 10 to 20 pounds straight into my gut. Our listeners Mm. need to think I'm drinking beer all of the time. No, they can see that by checking profile on (laughs) uncorked, untapped, whatever it's called. It's a good, good profile. Opened? Is it called open? It's untapped. Canned? Canned open? It's catchy. So, do you steer clear? Uh, what, what sort of friend or family member would you shoot? I shoot anyone, everyone. If there's money, right? Yep. You don't do it for there's free? This. No, nothing for free. See, that's the thing I think is really eating her up with this, because she does all this work on them, and it's a lot of work, and then they don't even share like the photos, or that she shot the photos, or anything. Like She's not getting any marketing value from this. And she had to drive two hours out of her way. Like, that's huge. So huge. I'd be pissed. I know you would. Yeah. But if you got paid and they didn't share the photos, you'd be like, who cares? Because I got that money. Money, money, money. So next up, Greta from the Facebook groups. I'm a beginning photographer just starting out. I have a bit of a portfolio, but not a lot. What do you think is a fair rate for photo shoots? I was thinking $75 for the first hour and then $20 each hour after that. Any advice? This is mainly for family photography, like family sessions or engagement sessions. I have not photographed any weddings yet, though. Sure. I think that sounds fair. You think $75 for the first hour and then $20 per hour after that is fair? Mm, Yep, I do. If you're just starting off and you're trying to build a portfolio and you're trying to build a brand and you're trying to, not, I wouldn't say build a brand, build a business uh, and learn how to run a business along the way, I think $75 uh, for an hour or what is that, like $95 for an hour and a half or two hours, 
I would probably do twenty dollars for every half hour after. Um, and then and then once you start building and you you hit a threshold where you literally can't keep up with the shooting and the editing, um, then you double your prices or you know change you know raise your prices until your market saturation hits a place where you're comfortable and you're feeling good about what you're doing and you're getting paid a livable wage. Now, see, Dustin, I don't entirely disagree with what you said, but... Of course you don't, because I, I speak but, little nuggets of wisdom to you, Steve. Look, Greta, if I may be so bold as to call you Gre- Greta, gotta make that cheddar. You know what I'm saying? Gotta make that cheddar, Greta. Cheddar Greta. Oh, I like that. So, Hashtag uh, Cheddar Greta. $75 for the first hour if you're just starting out and you're trying to build a portfolio, That that's great. I'm cool with that. Um, but what I think Dustin was getting at is that $20 for an hour after that, probably not enough money. And, you know, it really makes it kind of seem like, why are you charging $75 for the first hour? So here's what I would say. You definitely, if you're only charging $75 for the first hour, that second hour, you can give them a discount, but it should not be that drastic of a discount from 75 to 20. Cause if you shoot for two full hours, you're going to have so much more work in post when you go to edit all the photos so uh, you, you at least want to make sure that's like, uh, you know, 50 bucks per hour afterwards, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, or do 30 minute increments instead of hour increments after the first hour? Because I can't I don't think I've ever had a family session that's really needed to push more than an hour unless there's like travel for locations or out like lots of outfit changes or something like that mm-hmm. um in fact i've been starting to venture into the world of family photography a little bit this year and uh pushing 30 minutes thanks sessions. for listening to another episode of the wedding photo hangover <laughs> i'm just giving you a hard time wrap it <laughs> no you've been pushing 30, 30 minute uh sessions how's that going uh good done two of them so far uh well one of them I booked as a 30 minute session and they ended up going into an hour. So I charged them the hour session rate. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so essentially I'm sure I don't like doing family sessions and we've been getting a ton of people recently asking for them. And so I simply took our typical like hour session rate and made that a 30 minute session. Nice. And then doubled it for an hour and people have been like booking still. So I'm like, cool, 30 minutes. Why not? Way to go. That's that's uh, Dustin making that cheddar. But it doesn't have the same uh, rhyming scheme then. Dustin cheddar? Dustin ch- cheddar? No. Uh, blah, blah. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Wedding Photo Hangover Podcast with your hosts, Dustin and Steve. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Wedding Photo Hangover and on Twitter at Wedpick Hangover. You can find Dustin on Instagram at Dustin underscore Mick Kibben. And you can find Steve at Stephen Van Elk. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time your head is pounding, your limbs feel like dead weight, and your entire being is aching for the sweet embrace of death. That's right. Next Sunday, after you shoot another wedding. Cool. Thanks, Steve. Dustin, thank you so much for joining me on this day. I can't believe you don't want to chit-chat about any new TV shows you're watching or anything you're doing afterwards. I've got to go photograph a drummer for a magazine. Oh, cool, buddy. And then I've got to go fly my drone and shoot a 100-acre horse farm. That's Dustin keeping it busy. Dustin Chetta. <laughs> Dustin Chetta.
just barely trying to keep my head on my shoulders. Well, so what do you think of these? You didn't really answer me. Dustin's wearing glasses for those of you who are listening to the podcast. They look great. So these are those uh, Pixelfy uh, glasses that eliminate the blue uh, from your monitor. And so I've been getting extreme, I'll call it eye fatigue over the last couple weeks, uh, maybe a couple months actually, um, that have led to just extreme uh, tiredness See, now you've and pushed headaches. this subject into the after show when it should have been in the follow-up because we talked about this before. Have you started using the uh, th- settings on your computer so that you can just say, no, just make it? This is my first day with them. Oh, so okay. I'll, I'll let you know how they go. They just came. Why are you wearing them in the daytime? Um, because I'm still staring at a monitor. Yeah, but there's tons of blue light all around you in the daytime. Yeah, I'm canceling it all out. Can you even see right now? What light is available to you? Do you have some tungsten lamps turned on around you? I just have a 27-inch picture of your face in front of me. That's all I've got. That smile's just lighting it up for you? Aww. Lighten it up. Light it up. Light it up. It's on fire. But you like the glasses? I don't know. Ask me next week. All right. Throw that into follow-up for next week. Dustin's glasses. We're going to need a picture of you in those glasses for the the instagrams you betcha all right buddy have a great day have fun shooting your drummer and your drone stuff what what are you doing today bud you doing anything fun uh editing lots of editing Ed- so editing yeah. this podcast yeah uh, cool. maybe awesome <laughs> awesome Perfect. probably not this podcast awesome thanks we'll have this one up early make up for the two delayed ones yeah probably not though and been getting lots of hate mail from people that you know they plan their whole sundays around this episode dropping that means the world to me. If if anybody has sent yes, any hate mail like that, for real, that means the world to me. Yeah. For some reason, they send it to me, though. I think they're afraid it's going to offend you, and then they're going to get blasted on this podcast. So they confidentially inform me of their disappointment. And, um, you know, there's, yeah. there's no sign that somebody loves you more than having them be super disappointed <laughs> in you. <laughs> Is that true? That sounds like a parenting manipulism um, that you tell yourself from a terrible childhood where you're like, man, my parents were always disappointed in me. I bet that means they really loved me. My soccer coach must have loved me so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is that why the coach always benched me? He just loved me so much. That he couldn't see me out on the field away from him, right? <laughs> yeah. Needed me close to Needed him. Needed me right in that All pond. right. Going to a terrible place. All, All right. right, Dustin. Have a great day. You too, bud. Bye. Bye. Bing. Well, I'm paying for this wedding. You send me those digi-files. Digi-files. Digital photos. Digi-files are our champions. Wedding Photo Hangover is edited by Steve Van Elk from Bespoke Tone. You can hit up Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, or audio editing needs. Woo-wee!